Welcome to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. Let's roll! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. D-Mendy here, joined by a little cheesecake, Doc, and Marty Party tonight. Off-season edition, right in the midst of the playoffs, which are getting really good. We've got a National League champion that's going to be fairly new this year and a very familiar American League champion, whichever of these teams win here. Uh, but me and my boys, we again back here for another week. Doc, how you feeling? Feeling good, man. Uh, you know, the, the grind never stops in the offseason. And as we talked about prior, we're really excited about this show, kind of different than what we've done previously. That's right. Uh, kind of an early look, uh, putting our stamp on some guys that maybe haven't been talked about too much yet. So our listeners can maybe get a jump on some uh, knowledge of these guys before they start kind of creeping up to come draft season here. Marty Party, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing a lot better than my Los Angeles Dodgers who were eliminated out of the playoffs. So, but other than that, you're, we're doing you're good. Los Angeles Dodgers. Your yeah. team is sitting at home on the couch right now. Well, no, that was my pick for the, uh, the world series champion. Oh, and as doc sent me a little clip of myself last week saying the Dodgers are going to win the championship. Um, he, you know, immediately reminded me of that. And, uh, yeah, they let you know, baseball's baseball's wild. Anything can happen. But what's funny is I think I picked the Dodgers versus the Astros. A little cheesecake, you picked the Braves versus the Astros? That's right, yeah. So, <laughs> Doc, who did you pick? I picked uh, Astros over Padres. That looks oh. the best out of all of us. Right? Yeah, I'm going to win! Yeah. I don't know, we'll have to see. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, the playoffs have definitely been interesting so far, to say the least. Cheesecake, have you watched a lot of the playoffs? I haven't watched a lot of the playoffs. I I don't get them on my on my uh, my screen my TV. I I make sure that I watch the highlights. There's great MLB puts out like where they show you basically every the result of every at bat in, in like a ten minute video that you can you can watch the next day. It's pretty cool. So I watch those. Um, man, Zach Wheeler was was awesome. Uh, you Darvish was was almost as awesome mm-hmm. uh that and uh, and tonight they 13 runs were scored uh so you know the nl championship series is looking great right now the yankees and, and astros are tied in the fifth inning i think that is looking to be like it could be like an epic series with those two teams clashing so i'm i'm, I'm stoked yeah, I'm interested to see if the Yankees can exact that revenge. I feel like the Astros, they haven't gotten that taste out of their mouth from losing to them with everything going on. If you remember, the last time they played in meaningful games against each other, I believe it was in 2020 when it was the COVID season, COVID sword season, and they didn't have a full crowd at that point. So this is the first time they've actually had a crowd going against each other in years. Uh, in the playoffs here, I think since they actually last met with the whole cheating scandal. So I think the Yankees are even more motivated to beat the Astros this year. And now that I live in a New York Yankees area, I'm definitely uh, rooting for the Yankees in this one here. So we'll see how that turns out. But playoffs are fun, but you guys are tuning in to listen to some fantasy baseball talk. And like we said, we have a good episode planned for you guys tonight. We are talking who's next. And 
we have multiple different categories talking about who's next. We've got who's the next Juan Soto, the next Kyle Wright, the next Spencer Strider. What do we mean when we're talking about all of these for those unfamiliar where we're going to make sure you guys know what each category stands for and who our picks are going to be for each of these categories. And we're going to lead off here with the first one. And that's going to be who is the next Juan Soto? And by that, we are saying next year's potential first round pick who ends up disappointing based on where he's going in drafts as my dog is rubbing his face all over the couch going crazy. Uh, (laughs) So the hard thing about this exercise is you go to five different sites and you're going to get five different ADPs at this point in the year. So there's no consistent first round anywhere you look in October, but we can kind of guesstimate where guys are going to go roughly first, second round, however it is. So Doc, I'm going to lead it off to you because your Nats traded away Juan Soto, and I know you're still upset about it. So why don't we, th- if we're talking about Juan Soto, who do you think could be this next year's disappointment? And just for people that are like Juan Soto, disappointment, let's talk about it for a second because Juan Soto, if you look with the Nationals, 21 home runs, 46 RBIs, a 20.9% K rate to 14.2% walk rate, a 246 408, 485 slash line with the Nats. Once he got traded to the San Diego Padres, six home runs, 16 RBIs. The walk rates dropped about 1%. K rate stayed about the same, but he batted 236, 388, 390. Only six home runs and 228 plate appearances with the Padres struggled mightily and has pretty much carried over into the playoffs too. So uh, definitely not nearly the same player he was in past years where this was a guy that we saw, uh, I believe up until this season was a career 952 OPS, 157 OPS plus and over 2000 at bats over those five seasons. So doc long wind away saying who's going to be this year's Juan Soto. Yeah. So this isn't going to be a popular answer, but I think it's going to be Aaron judge. And I looked, <laughs> uh, I guess multiple people agree. With me. <laughs> That's my pick too. <laughs> Oh, wow. We so all picked I Aaron you, Judge? Got, you guys can piggyback off of anything that I miss. I think we're going to see a big decrease in batting average. And looking at Soto's, his career, 292, 282, 351, 313, dropped this year to 242, way below career average. The MLB average this season was actually 243. So Juan Soto a little bit below that. Aaron Judge has been 284, 287. 272, 257, 287, and I believe hit 316 this year. So I think we're going to see a drop in batting average. He's played in 70% of games in three out of six seasons. So he's been either fairly healthy and durable, like we saw this season, or he's playing 50% to set to 69% of the time most of that. I look at also the stolen bases. He has 40 for his career, and 16 came this season. So 40% of his career stolen bases came this year. He played for a contract. And whatever team signs him, whether it be the Yankees or another team, they're going to want to get the best Aaron Judge. And for a guy that has a history of soft tissue injuries, I think the best thing is to not play him every day as he's going to be 31 years old. So I think we're going to see a decrease in counting stats. I think this was a historic season, but – Prior to this, nobody thought of Aaron Judge as a consensus first-round pick, and I won't be taking him next year. 
So the one thing I will say, and Marty, Marty, you can also add to this if you want. The stolen bases are tricky because we're seeing next year pitchers only get two pickoff attempts uh, if someone's on first. The, the actual bases are going to be bigger as well. And we've seen the minor league stolen bases go up tremendously when they've instituted it this year. You also have a pitch clock that's going to be implemented as well. So I do think actually the stolen bases, I could actually see that going up because of the fact that it's going to be easier for players to steal next year. And there's going to be probably more 20 stolen base guys than we've seen in a long time. So that part I necessarily don't agree with, but I do agree with the other stuff that you said. It's hard to coming off a 62 home run season to even come close to that. And people are going to be drafting him probably as a top five pick. I'm, I'm sure he doesn't go below five expecting him to hit 50 bombs and steal probably close to 20 bases. So the one thing in regards to the stolen bases, he had 19 attempts this year. He was 16 of 19. Prior to that, he had 50 or 36 attempts for his career. So I don't think with even the bases being bigger and the pickoff attempts, we're going to see a huge spike. Once again, I think he wanted to get paid. And you can't tell me at 31 years old, he's suddenly going to get super aggressive on the base pass. I think this is his ceiling for stolen bases. You can run at 31. Who says that's too old to run? Uh, I guess John Birdie, but that's it. <laughs> Marty uh, Party, would go ahead. Yeah, add the only thing I'll add to because he was mine as well, Judge. Um, did you talk about the, the fact that he may not be in New York? Like he, yeah. who, no, who knows where he's going to land? Yeah. You know, I mean, let's say he goes to a way less hitter friendly ballpark, maybe. I see him wanting to be a winner, so probably not landing somewhere where he's not going to, you know, at least have a good cast around him. But who knows? Maybe he takes the whatever $400 million and just goes somewhere and he just kind of hangs out. Um, but I, I, I scrambled to get somebody else here. Is Shane McClanahan considered a first-rounder? Do you think I he'll go? I haven't seen him in a first round anywhere I've looked so far. Okay, because he's the only person where it's like, I mean, he's topped out at 166 innings this year, and that was even with the shoulder fatigue. It's the Tampa Bay Rays. We don't know how they're going to handle people, but um, kind of grasping for straws because Judge was, man, that was mine. So you'll be out on Shane McClanahan as a top two-round pick next year. Yeah, I'll, I'll look somewhere else. Yep. That's interesting. We'll be interested when we get to our pitchers and talk about that yep. later on this offseason here. Uh, and little cheesecake, you were the only one that seemed like – you were not in agony when Doc took our Aaron Judge pick, so you must be going somewhere else with this call. Yeah, I, I think Judge judges is the is the best answer. So you so, but there are other people I think that you could say if you want to go with a pitcher. I think it's you could fade Verlander. He's going to be. You think old. he'll be a first round pick though? He could I be. Don't think so he could be. Verlander could be a first round pick. It could be a high second round pick. Yeah. Um, I think there's someone else. Um, it's possible J Rod is a fade, not you know, just mm. because his steals, his steals in the second half. He had 19 stolen bases in March, March, uh, April, May, and June, and only six July through October. Mm-hmm. So his steals went way down. Um, he had 28 home runs and 560 plate appearances. That's almost a full season, you know it's his second year. It's hard to follow up a good season to me. I think, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be really trying to avoid him, but I would not be surprised if he disappoints next season, just because, um, you it's hard to follow up and have a good second season after a good first season. Like, um, like it, yeah, it's really hard sophomore slump. Yeah. That's, that's, that's basically my, 
My thought, possibly one of the rookies has a soft. I guess Wit, Wit could also soft. Don't you dare! I won't. Don't I won't. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like that point with J Rod because the steel's falling off. Does anybody get a sense of nothing? He's Mike Trout, but once Mike Trout was kind of moved down into the order and, and counted on as more of a run production presence and not just an all-around presence, want to preserve him. He stopped running as much, and he can run. But yeah. it's like they don't want him to do that anymore. And it's like that's kind of preserve yourself. I, I, he's obviously a lot younger than Mike Trout, of course. But like mm. like you said, I think he was leadoff for most of the season early on. And then I'm pretty sure he got moved to the three spot. Uh, well, that's just the style of what the Guardians yeah. play. So they play a lot of small ball. So that, that's actually going to help him, the stolen bases, where the Angels, who knows what they're doing? They're just all relying on the three-run homer. So, um, yeah, if they do drop him back third or fourth, you know, in the uh, in the order, I could see the stolen bases going down, but it looks like the Guardians are just they're so they're sold. <laughs> Who's gonna what tell him? Who's gonna tell him? We're Jim talking Jim. about the Mariners, Martin. Wait, what? <laughs> We're talking about Oh, the I thought you said Jose Ramirez. My bad. You know, Julio Rod. I was I was looking at some other thing. Well, hey, you know, <laughs> don't worry about it. J Ram could be Gadelli listens to us. I was listening. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why is everyone smiling at me. It was, was kind of nice, but well, I was gonna like I was like the first why? time I won't say anything. I wasn't sure if you just time. misstated Guardians at first. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. happens. No, I, but I stand by what I say about uh, well Jose Ramirez. You know, I don't. I'm not fully buying him for uh, into him for next year as a first round pick. He's one of the people that stand out. So yeah, yeah. He he he's injured, right? Didn't he? Like yeah, he, he he's his numbers really fell off after that injury in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think was hitting over 300 prior to that and then went to like 260 after that. Overall numbers are complete. I, I still like him next year, uh, but it depends on where he goes. But let's move to the next one because otherwise we'll be here all, all night. I do appreciate the viewers that do like hearing this discussion though, but let's move to the next one and let's talk about the next Christian Walker who is a deep draft power breakout. And little cheesecake, if you don't mind, I'm going to put a stamp on your guy, Rowdy Telez. I think he's the easiest pick for this one. Did anybody else pick Rowdy Telez? He's already broken out. I mean, has he? I mean, Christian Walker. I mean, if we say Christian Walker broke, bro, Christian Wait, Walker Rowdy had a 29 had 34 homers this year. Christian Walker had a 29 homer season prior. Yeah, but then he had a like a poor season in between and was like a 400th draft pick. Where did so, Rowdy Telez go this year? He was like 280, like the late 200s. And Christian Walker the- was uh, a fantasy pros consensus ADP. He was like a 208 was this he? year. Yes. Yeah, so I, I tried to line up the, like that ADP because okay. Okay. I was like similar power profiles in terms of past production uh, going after pick 200. Mm-hmm. That, that's where my head was at. And then the, the thing that sold me on this pick was I pulled up MLB's leaderboards in terms of, I have so many tabs open. Where, which tab is it? Oh my goodness, where is it, David? I had such a I was my argument was perfect. And pull that up. The ADP was 347 for Rowdy Telez last year. 347. Thank yep. you for proving my point, Marty. So the uh oh, here he goes. It's just an ad popped up. That's why I couldn't find it. So I looked at the at bats per home run leaders this year. Guess who's one? Judge. Aaron Judge. But if you look. Christian Walker is number eight. Number seven is Rowdy Telez. Rowdy Telez had the seven highest highest 
at bats per home run. I should say lowest at bats per home run this year. Uh, the only trailing Aaron Judge, Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Schwarber, Anthony Rizzo, and Pete Alonzo. So to me, at 15.1 at bats per home run, right next to Christian Walker, both corner infielders playing first base position, somebody that is slept on during draft season. Martin already talked about where he went going into this year. I think he fits this profile perfectly, especially on a Brewers team that underperformed. He could bounce back really well next year, uh, at least kind of be a, a, a target that maybe people don't talk about as much that you could grab at first base. I know people talked about like the CJ Crones, Joey Votto's, and those type of players this year you could get later on, but I think he could be that guy next year. That's where I'm going to go with that. Marty, where are you going? I'm going to have to go with Mr. Vinny Pasquantino. So in a 258 at bats this year, he had 10 home runs and he slashed 295, 383 with only a 450 slug, but his max exit velocity was an 87th percentile. There's been comments that, you know, the um, he's not going to be a 30, 40 home run guy. And I, what I see each step of the way is he has kept getting better and better and better. I don't think we know the ceiling of this guy at all. Um, and either way, if he's not able to get you the 40 home runs, he's going to be able to settle in, I think somewhere at least in the thirties with a really good batting average and even better in OBP league. So, and he had an ADP of 725 last year, which really doesn't count because he was, you know, he wasn't even called up, you know, until halfway through the season. But where do you guys expect Vinny to go in a 15 team league? Like what ADP in the top 200? Yeah. 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 I think. I think 120, 130. I think oh, he's wow. gonna get. I think he's gonna get a lot of helium, mm-hmm. especially in points leagues with his play. Oh, of course, uh, yeah, yeah. Like I, I think he's one of those guys that is gonna be. Oh, I, I don't. I'll wait on Vinny Pasquantino. I'll miss all the other first basemen. I'll just wait on him. Type first base thing. seems like an aging position. Yeah, I'm thinking about the the Vados, the Goldschmidts. I mean, Jose a lot of young, but Freddie Freeman. Uh, Matt Olson regressed this year. Are we already talking ourselves into Rizzo. waiting at first base next year? That's what it's <laughs> like. Pasquantino, Rowdy Telez, maybe Doc and uh, and little Cheesecake have other first base. Do we, we think can... there's any chance of Freeman not being Freeman next year? No. Like has he? Had no. That, I'm, done, I'm, I'm done doubting Freeman. Can't doubt yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done doubting Freeman. That makes. Sense. I'll go to my guy though, since uh, it's the same team, and for me, it's MJ Melendez. Mm. Uh, no, we look at somebody is. this year had 18 home runs and 460 at bats. But if you look in 2021 between double and triple A, he had 44 homers and 448 at bats, which actually led the minors. And as a lefty, somebody that pulls the ball, the Kauffman Stadium for the Royals has a 330 foot right or 330 foot right field fence. Um, and what we, I mean, Kansas City catchers have done it before. Sal Perez, 48 homers and. 2021, after never having 30 for his career, previous career high was 27. I think the Royals are going to have a good young lineup between Pasquantino, Witt, and Melendez, and they can't necessarily pitch around him. And if Sal Perez has injury concerns, he's going to be 33 when the season starts. Melendez opens up as everyday catcher and then probably first to get a DH spot. Yeah, and what's really interesting is he's a left-handed batter, and against lefties this year, he hit 295 which is usually you don't see that against righties hit 193. And if you look Hmm. at his minor league track record too, uh, he was somebody that hit righties a lot better than 193. So if you think that that kind of could change back to what it probably should be, 
he could have a lot more of an upside. 18 homers and 62 RBIs and 460 at-bats. Uh, I mean, he could hit 20 to 25 home runs, play every day, whether it's... I think he played a couple games in the outfield, if I'm not mistaken, too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he could you know, play multiple positions for you. That's not a bad call at all, for sure. What about you, little cheesecake? So I got two guys, two that are really, really deep, I think. One guy, I think you got to say, could be a next Christian Walker... Super deep Spencer Torkelson. Oh. 70 raw power, yeah. super deep. He's gonna have a he's gonna have a position in the lineup and the whole team underachieved. There's like that whole team is is like bounce back, catch that bounce back. Torkelson, someone I think could be a deep power source. And one of my personal favorites, Brian De La Cruz with the Miami Marlins. He finally got started to get playing time towards the second half of this season. His stat cast numbers are really good. He had the 86th percentile hard hit percentage. His X slug was in the 94th percentile. His XBA was in the 96th percentile. He hit 14 home, uh, 13 or 14 home runs in like 350 plate appearances. And, um, you know, he's just been a good hitter. And I think that he has a chance to be a deep breakout as well. He's, he's going to be 25 next season it's possible that he's a good break. I think he's also going to be a pretty late draft pick. I like those calls. Spencer Torgelson, the bounce back and Brian De La Cruz definitely shows some promise this year. Let's talk about our next category. And this is going to be the next Whit Merrifield or Nelson Cruz. You could use either one. It's basically the veteran who's finally going to fall off. I'm interested to hear your guys answers. Cause there was looking through the actual older players in the league. There's only one I could really think of. So I'm interested to see where you guys go here. Let's go to you first, Doc. Who is the player that you put for this category? For me, it's somebody that I got this year that I've noticed he regresses second half, and that's Anthony Rizzo. Um, As Art called it before the season, if he sells out for power, he's going to be a better player. And he did that, 18.4% K percentage, which is the highest since his rookie year, second lowest batting average of his career, 19 home runs at home. Talk about the short right field in Yankee Stadium. But if you look, he had two really big months. In March and April, he hit 273 with nine homers and 21 RBIs. And in June, hit 234 with 10 homers and 22 RBIs. The rest of the month, single digit home runs, um, below 240 batting average. He had six stolen bases, and those were all in the first three months. So he was really aggressive to start. And every year, he seems to have a nagging back injury. And that doesn't seem like something that's going away. I think he's going to be 33 when the season starts. Just can't stay, see him staying healthy for long periods of time. And it seems like if he's not hitting power, that he's not going to do what you drafted him to, uh, especially in a non points league or a non OBP league. He's going to kill your batting average, not going to give you the the home run or the RBIs and runs that he did before, and maybe three to four stolen bases. Okay. All right. I could dig it. What about you, Cheesecake? So I think. I, I, I think Ab- Jose Abreu is someone who might fall off finally. Mm-hmm. Abreu's power started to fall off this year, um, and he's going to be leaving. He could be leaving the White Sox. I think he's a free agent. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be in a new location. And um, his batting average was fine. I think he hit 300. Um, yeah, he did. But the power wasn't there. And as a first baseman, you know, it's such a power, power position. Uh, one of the trends towards the end of the season showed that 
first baseman hit overperforming home runs more than any other position does. They're the ones that drive your home runs that you need in a roto league for a lot of teams. So you need someone who's got some power. And while I like Abreu, if he's going to be hitting 15 home runs, he's just not going to be as valuable and you can't take him where he has been going. And so if he's still going to the top 100, I, I can't, I can't, I can't pay that price. So the one thing I'll say about Art, that, I disagree with you on that. Oh, I mean, if you want to go ahead, doc, I, I, there's a point I'm going to make too, but go ahead. No, go ahead, David. The only, I was going to say, so they talked about that their White Sox hitting philosophy last year that they started, whoever their hitting coach was, and I forget who his name at the top of my mouth to look it up, but he emphasized contact over power. He wanted to limit their strikeouts, and that was kind of their approach. So it wasn't just him. I believe all of their hitters' power went down last year, the White Sox. So the, I do, the team leader was 17 home runs. Yeah. I think it was a more of an approach thing that the new hitting coach wanted rather than hit their own personal like stats or their own personal ways that they approached hitting. I think they followed how it was they wanted them to to hit. And, and I think that could be almost like a, a buy-in opportunity on a Brayu next year That's if he's in a good location. That's interesting. Which is um, hilarious because in the same breath, the the Larusa told them not to, you know, run out ground balls and you mm-hmm. know you know, because they're afraid. So they're they're telling them to hit with contact, but don't run hard. <laughs> it's like, no wonder why they didn't do well. Yeah, I think I need to look up their hitting coach. And but obviously, I, from what it sounds like, he's um he's not coming back next year, or Jose Abreu isn't coming back next year because they want to move um, Eloy Jimenez to DH every day, and then I think that shifts Andrew Vaughn to first base. So that's what it sounds like they want to do. And if that's the case, then I think Abreu could hopefully be in a great situation. Hopefully he's not like the Marlins, but uh, I would love to see him, where he could end up and uh, if there is a, a nice kind of buy low opportunity after his last season. Jose you say the Marlins. Yeah, the Marlins. Jose Abreu the last four seasons, 157 games, 152, 60 in the shortened season, 159. He had the highest on-base percentage of his career outside of his rookie season. 304 batting average, 15 homers, 75 RBIs. I mean, even with the less power, he was still giving you good uh, counting stats. I mean, you're not getting any stolen bases from him. I think Jose Abreu is just one of those naturally good hitters. He didn't make his debut till 27. So, yeah. Is that old? It is old for mm-hmm. a hitter. Mm-hmm. Are you saying, are you saying, uh, Art, you were saying that uh, you thought he would go to the Marlins? I said it, I said the Marlins actually make some sense. He's Cuban, and there's a huge Cuban population in Miami. If the if they want like a good high profile signing that's good for like morale, uh, he's he makes a lot of sense for them. Actually, it really does, and they need a first baseman bad too. <laughs> Goodness gracious, I, I put it out there, and now you're you're saying it like it actually does. Oh man, let's hope not for it. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Marty, who's your pick? Giancarlo Stanton. I'm out on him. Um, you know, I, I know he, what he hit 31 home runs this year with only 110 games, but man, the injuries are just piling up for him every he single old? year. What? Uh, 32. He's not, what? He, That's not old. He's not, he's, he's not old, old, but for what he does and for what's expected out of him and what his body and how he's built, all of these things come with those powers combined, David. He is. He's the guy I'm looking at. And there's another 32 year old who I also I think is uh, is his body's older than what he is. That's Anthony Rendon. 
Yeah. I, I thought about him too, but I was like, I guess he's not. I, I misunderstood the question. I thought it was like a really older player. It was like with Nelson Cruz being super old and Witt being like, isn't he like 37? Witt's not like, 37. Witt's not that old. Witt's like 33 or 34. I was, yeah. Just like a vet, you know, a veteran that's like kind of hit. He's 30. Yeah. Witt's only 33. So he yeah. feels so much older than that. Gosh, I'm agreeing with everything Marty says today. Team Tallman. <laughs> that's that's you guys agreeing it must be the offseason. What about Starling Marte? He's like he's like not he, yet. He had yet. his stolen bases went from 47 to 16 last year. We'll talk about and that's his contract year, right? When he mm-hmm. so he just kind of just it was his first year in the contract. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I like mean, his uh, when he had all those stolen bases, he was playing for a contract. Now he's yeah. thirty four. What, what's his max? His sprint speed sixty eighth percentile. So, I think if you curb your enthusiasm or your expectations for him, Ooh. I think we're going to be able to get him at a good, uh, actually a good spot. I had, yeah, I had yeah. Starling Marte as a fade. I said he had forty seven stolen bases in the five hundred twenty six plate appearances. That was an insane rate that he had. That to expect more in the twenty to twenty five. Yeah. Um. So I looked up the oldest players in baseball and tried to fit. There's a lot of Cardinals on this list and they're all retiring. So they can't be used. The only other player that made sense to me was Rich Hill, who had a 386 ERA and 158 and two thirds innings a year ago. And then this past season, that ERA went up to four, four twenty seven. And was averaging under a K per nine, which I felt like he was someone that wasn't giving you a lot of innings, but he still had high strikeout numbers. That ERA is starting to creep up. I think he could be done. Water is wet, David. I mean, maybe people are drafting him as like a late best ball pick, but I don't even know if I'll do that at this point. Has he said he's coming back for for another season? At this point, he hasn't said, but we're acting like he is because he hasn't announced his retirement yet. Uh. Our uh, Ray's checking in here. He says, my personal top 23 players for 2023. He's got a couple listed here. Uh, he's got Trey Turner. He's got Rodriguez. He's got Soto. Oh, I like the bounce back from Soto. I'll say, like, is Soto going to be the next Soto next year? Oh, maybe could be. And then he's got his list right there. He's got Glass now pretty high up. No. I don't know if I could draft glass now that high, <laughs> but no, he's definitely got the but I, I mean, like I like it because his, his top, yeah. his top uh, is you very unique. Um, Ray, if you're not in the discord, let me know. Cause I'll make sure I get you a uh, link in there. I'd love for you to pop your top uh, 25 or top 24 next year in our discord. And then we can have a discussion about it there. That'd be pretty cool. Reading that list is getting me going, man. That's Making right. Yeah, it gets you, in, gets you in the mood. Let's go to our next one then. And this next one, I think, might be the most exciting one, but I'll probably say that about every single one after. Our next Spencer Strider. Who's the next year's rookie that could be a top 20 starter? Doc and I have the same player here, so we'll go last. And let's go ahead and let's lead this off with Marty Party, who, um, <laughs> down on the farm, very much on it. Don't that's forget about Craig Campbell. His time is done. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's, for that's sure. a good one. Um, yeah, so, and this is the one, one of the ones that I struggled with. So I had to sit there. I came up with Kumar Rocker. So if the, if the Rangers are so inclined, um, I was looking at their, um, what their, uh, their pitching rotation. There's definitely a spot for him. I mean, there's nothing that, that really sticks out to John Gray, Dan Dunning, Glenn Otto, Cole Reagans, and Spencer Howard. I could see him. He's 22 years old. 
you know, they took that, um, you know, he was drafted a few years back and, and then, uh, you know, he took that year off. So yeah. that would be absolutely incredible. I would be excited to see him. Um, now they're going to limit his innings. So mm-hmm. that's obviously going to play a factor into it. But when you actually watch him play, I mean, he's, his stuff's pretty electric. Um, looking at his uh, uh, college, he had a 2.89 ERA um, and fall ball, 5.40 ERA. So he struggled there. Independent ball at 1.80. So he's kind of all over the place. Um, but independent ball, that was 20 innings at a 1.35 ERA. So, um, yeah, that, that's the guy I'm going with, Mr. Kumar Rocker. I don't know if he comes up next year and, like, down the farm says he needs maybe two years from now. I know the Welsh was watching him. He said he had, like, a funky delivery uh, in his first outing, but he cleaned it up in his next one. A lot of work there, but he definitely has the potential. I'm not drafting with you down on the farm because, Eric, did you see who he put? I did. Yeah, like, that's that's just so annoying that we're I, – I, I'm now making sure if I'm in a draft with you that I take him two rounds before I think you're going to take him. For those that are listening and not watching on YouTube, he put Hunter Brown. And Doc and I both picked Hunter Brown as our Spencer Striders for next year. I love Hunter Brown. Doc, I can, I'll let you go first. What, why is no, Brown no, you here? go ahead. That's your guy. That's your guy too, apparently. <laughs> so go ahead. Go ahead. You can lead it off. I'll, I'll uh, add some stuff too. Well, you and I talked about Hunter Brown this weekend. And when you just look at him, he has the makings of a starting pitcher. And I think in the first thing that's going to pave the way is injury. I don't think after uh, we've seen a career high in innings pitch from Urquidy, Fromber, Luis Garcia, Justin Verlander bouncing back from Tommy John, that they're all going to be as healthy, especially now that they're pitching into the postseason. But when you look at Hunter Brown last year in the re- or in the regular season, a .89 ERA in 20.1 innings pitched. You look at what he did in AAA, 11.4 Ks per nine, only gave up .42 homers per nine, gave up two homers in AAA, 97 mile per hour fastball, 83 mile per hour curve, um, looks very poised and has great command on the mound. And I met him and he's a very nice guy. Ah, there it is. I was waiting for the, uh, that, that part. (laughs) So Hunter Brown, uh, if you have not been keeping up with the call up, which is our prospect show here at triple play fantasy, make sure you watch that. We mentioned him a few times on that show. And one of the best parts about doing a prospect show is you kind of get to learn about these guys a lot sooner than the rest of the public here. And Hunter Brown was somebody that if you probably put him on three fourths of the other teams in the big leagues, at least three fourths, he would have been called up a long time ago. So because the Astros have so much starting pitching, there was no place to put him. And he wasn't the type of guy you were going to want to put in for an inning or two. He was a guy that was a legit starter. And like Eric talked about, K's through the minor leagues had an 11K per nine in AAA this year after rising it from 9.7 last year. The walks are very manageable, you know, like about mid threes or so, but he throws a, a very hard fastball. He's got break, great breaking stuff, and he just looks the part too. And if you, you've seen that in the playoffs, this is the guy that right now in the playoffs against the Mariners pitched two scoreless innings, and again, they're trying to sweep them. Two innings, one hit, one walk. And then you saw him do it, uh, just like his relief appearance against the Phillies October 4th. Two and a third innings, three strikeouts. Uh, and then on the another game against the Mariners, one scoreless inning. Did pitch to an under one ERA. His expected stats are still an under three ERA. He just looks like the real deal. And it sucks right now because you look at the Astros rotation and you're just like, where can he fit in? Because Christian Javier, who was my 
successful breakout pitcher pick. He's not getting removed. You're not moving Framber. You're not moving Justin Verlander. You're not moving the way uh, that um, Orkiti finished the year. Like, and then, I mean, where does, does he get like the fifth spot potentially at this point? Like, I think it's, it's just up in the air. I think that's the one thing that's holding him back, but an injury could creep that door open for him. And uh, one really quick thing, uh, Jack says, Kumar was getting hit hard his second start. Uh, lots of the pulse, not sure what to make of that. He's very raw is what it sounds like a lot of people are saying. He's going to need a lot of time to to work and develop, but the potential is there for sure. Rookie of the year, baby. Calling it now. And Alan Farber said the deeper pick would be Simeon Woods-Richardson of the Minnesota Twins. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Can we call him the rainbow because that's the way his last name looks on his jersey. It's a perfect rainbow wrapped around his number. It's absolutely let's do it. incredible. We gotta, bring, we gotta like bring back that. let's bring back our nicknames. I know the rainbow. Are, absolutely. Like, uh, <laughs> the rainbow. I think okay. we should also mention um uh, guys who I don't think might start the season with the team, but could be midseason yes, call up please, next year. Yes. Uh, Taj Bradley for Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Um started the uh AAA championship game. Just say it, week. say the next name, Art. Say it so I heart can palpitate. Andrew Painter. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think Andrew Painter might be up next season. He was dominant this season. These guys are both in their early 20s. I think next season, maybe mid to late next season, they we could see them. I would probably put Bradley ahead of schedule. David, do you agree with that? Yeah, ahead at this point, Painter. Bradley is yeah. going to debut sooner than Painter will. But I think Painter's the better player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those two I think are going to be guys who might be worth a late 50 round draft and hold stash pick. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, those were when we talked about that pre show, those I thought those were great ads because I didn't even think about them. They are both going to be up next year, uh, but that for some reason I wasn't even thinking about prospects at that point. So those are two great ones. Draft and holds, uh, great guys to take that chance on for sure. Let's go to our next category, and this one is going to be the next Adolis Garcia, a toolsy hitter that you think could produce a surprising five-category season. And, I mean, we know stolen bases are incredibly valuable. We know that uh, power can sometimes be lost at certain points in the draft. These guys could give you that five-category power or uh, thing that you're looking for here. And uh, Dallin Farm says, Zavion Curry, Right-handed pitcher for Cleveland, also a name to throw in there. You guys don't have you ever checked out his stuff? Uh, he actually has a lot of great stuff, and um, I'm gonna try to. I'll try to see if I can put a link to uh, his stuff in the uh, YouTube description, so you guys can check out one of the best prospect minds out there. So, for this pick, let's start with you, Elsie. Uh, Is there uh, a five-category stud that you might be able to grab later in drafts? Um, do you guys still believe in Nick Senzel? No, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> that was Nick Senzel is going to be pretty deep. Um, I think he's probably too injury prone. I actually think you might want to just try Tyler O'Neill one more time to where he drops. He might, he might come, you know, bring it together for a season. Tyler O'Neill's a decent bounce back to that five category, uh, contributor next season. Okay. Tyler and he won't definitely won't have to pay the same price you did this year. Yeah. That was outrageous. I, I had zero Tyler O'Neill this year. Um, Doc. So for me, it's Jake McCarthy. Oh, you it. mother of Bayers. 
Yes. Oh man, David, you and I are agreeing too much. I know. We didn't even talk before the show. These are all surprising to both of us here. So when you look at Jake McCarthy, he's in the 98th percentile of sprint speed. So hopefully that he's going to be leading off. Um, And I look at his increase from year one to year two in the MLB. Hard hit percentage went from 13.5 to 33%. His barrel percentage, 2.7 to 4.8%. Upped his launch angle from 2.3 to 8 degrees. He's a big guy. He's, I think, 6'2", 215. Multi-sport athlete, played football in high school. Um, He had eight home runs in 99 games. He's going to hit top of the order, hopefully. And with Al Thomas and some of the other, maybe Cattell Marte has a bounce back here, Christian Walker, he can give you some good counting stats. And he's somebody that I think is going to go later in drafts. Um, and he has that high K upside that Adolis Garcia has that I think a lot of people faded this year, but somebody that could be a sleeper for, you know, a five tool player. David, did I miss anything? I mean, 23 stolen bases is not creeping up on anybody. I believe that was, I have to look at the the major league lead. I actually have it pulled up right here. That was 13th in all of baseball. So that's not creeping up on anybody. I think people are going to look at him as, hey, I missed out on some steals. I'll grab him, Jake McCarthy, later on. Eight home runs, 43 RBIs. Maybe best case scenario, he gets 20 home runs if everything plays out right, So which I think could count as some potential five categories for power. But I think the biggest thing is going to be the development of the Arizona Diamondback prospects because they have so many great ones. And if he starts slumping just a little bit, there's so much talent that's ready to take him off the field. I think that's the biggest thing with Jake McCarthy. And uh, he is my pick too, just because you don't find stolen base upside like that with too many players. And he was really winning people leagues at the end of the year. So I think he's worth the gamble. I'll, I'll be interested to see where his ADP goes. As well as, uh, as down the farm mentions, Miguel Vargas. Um, somebody that was one of the top prospects in all of baseball. And I believe he's second for the Dodgers behind Bobby Miller. And we kind of teased, got a tease of him last year. I think next year with Justin Turner potentially gone, he could get a lot of run as the open today. No, nah, man, it's Edwin Rios season. Always, always the tease of Edwin Rios there. What about you, Marty? Who's your pick? I got two here. One's, I'm not going to say it's obvious, but this is one that I think some people may have fallen off and not realized how good he was in the last two months of the season. O'Neill Cruz. You yeah. know, a lot of people see that that K percentage of the one percentile. You know, they see his expected batting average in the 17th percentile, you know, and it, obviously that's going to scare pretty much anybody away. But looking at his post all-star um, numbers, 13 home runs, he got just six stolen bases. He batted 245. I mean, that's not nothing. You know, especially when you compare it to his uh, pre uh, pre All Star, he was batting two oh four. So um, you're looking at his month in September. He batted two eighty four with a three forty eight OBP. He got you the six home runs. He got you three stolen bases. He's going to hit a top of that lineup. It's not a great lineup, but he's going to play every single day as long as he stays healthy. Uh, so that one's kind of like that one's obviously not very deep, and there's not much thought that goes into it. But I feel like more people are going to be off on him just because of his profile. And then two is the old reliable who has not been reliable over the last two years, Ramon Laureano. So even after an absolutely terrible year getting off the PED suspension, 13 home runs, 11 stolen bases, he only batted 211. So, uh, but his contact's usually a lot better than that. So I think Ramon's going to be pretty much free here at the end of drafts. And I think he's someone that can sneak in there and get you 15 home runs, 15 stolen bases, and you know definitely contribute in a 15-team Roto League. Yeah, I I agree with both those guys and Ramon Laureano. I think people all forgot just because of like you said the PED suspensions, but 
when he's on, I mean, he's giving you a ton of stolen base upside, and we may not be seeing him in Oakland all next year either. So uh, and that will definitely help him. I yeah. mean, yeah, I was gonna say he's a free agent. Yep. So if he lands somewhere good, I mean, someone could really use that like at the top of an order, you know. Um, Ray says, when can we expect from uh, rarely mentioned players like Zach Gallen and Jose or Jesus Lazardo, uh, guys that really broke out this year? Or I guess Lazardo kind of hit or miss. We expected a big breakout was in the middle, but Zach Gallen, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also he was one of my hits for the year. My, Zach Gallen, my was? only hit. Yeah, he was, yeah. We went over it last uh, two weeks yeah, ago, yeah. last week, whatever it was. But yeah. And we're in personal your personal rankings. Would you place them as appropriate there? Uh, I would say we're probably going to start putting our rankings together. I would imagine probably closer to like the end of the year, uh, or maybe you know what I mean. I have a week off in November and mm-hmm. like a couple of weeks, I'll probably start putting my rankings together then and we'll put them in our discord. But I mean, I, I I'm probably going to be a little bit low on Zach Allen compared to everybody else. I, I, yeah. Well, I don't know if I'm going to be low on him. You, I, I mean, think lower he, I than even census potentially. Yeah. I still think Jesus Lazardo is going to be a steal because he just, I think the injuries are kind of what dragged his value down a little bit. This I think week. Jesus Lazardo is how you construct your team. Is he's a yeah. high risk, high reward guy. Like if if you're if you you know maybe punt early on K's and you get kind of more like steady eddies or safe pitchers that will stabilize your ratios, I think he's worth it. Or if you're you know if Marty, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, but like in our triple players ball, you took like Degrom. Like you were you were saying like my team could win it all or it could be the worst team. Like that's the type of pick that Lazardo is going to be high K upside. Maybe won't give you as many innings as you want. Maybe won't get the wins that you're looking for, but can give you a game where he throws 11 Ks in five innings. Yeah. The one thing I will say, Zach Gowan, I've heard now from multiple sources. I looked up a couple places as well. A lot of people have Zach Gowan ranged anywhere from like SP 15 to 20. Like that's, that's kind of where he's been slotting in right Let's now. Let's play a, a quick name game. And I don't take any offense. Anytime you, you know, if I have Jacob DeGrom on my baseball team, it's not, you know, that's right. an okay pick, you know. But anyway, uh, Max, who would you rather have um, for Zach, Zach Allen or Max Freed? Max Zach Freed. Allen. Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove. Musgrove. Wait, Gallen outperformed Musgrove this year, didn't he? He did, but I yeah, like he, yeah. he I like outperformed almost everybody. I like Musgrove's yeah. durability more than Gallen's. Okay. What about um, Alec Manoa? Manoa. 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 Yeah. yeah. Okay. And two more. Um, let's see. Carlos I, I, have the, I have the list of players in a couple places that are ranked right around him. If you guys want me to give you the list of a couple guys here. Marty, to answer your question, Gallon over Rodon. Yeah. I agree. Me too. Yeah. Zach Gallon or Kevin Gosman? Gallon. Gallon. Zach Gallon or Luis Castillo? Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo. Gallon. Ooh, I like it. Zach Gallon or Max Scherzer? Max mm. Mad Max know. for me. <laughs> Too rich know. for my blood. <laughs> All right, the l- l- last one here, and then we'll move on. Zach Gallon or Spencer Strider? Gallon. God. Gallon. I think I'm gonna go Strider. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna it's go Strider. Tr- it's tough. It's tough. That's that's yeah. the toughest one. Uh, that's yeah. why I was like, I gotta make sure that's dirty the last after one. that one. But we'll, we're gonna have all our rankings out closer again to I think closer to the holidays. I'll probably start having mine out maybe sometime mid November. And uh, Jack does say, uh, <laughs> if Austin Slater could ever get over 500 at bats, 
He could be one. Austin Slater right. is the guy that I've taken the most in best ball <laughs> and just has not banned out. No, he gets the, he gets his like hot streaks and then he just like disappears for a couple months. Then gets on a hot streak and didn't disappear. Uh, did I say Luis Robert? I don't know how far he's going to fall, but wherever he falls, he could be a steal as well. That, yeah, for sure. People are really out on him. Yeah, yeah. they are. I'll scoop Me him too. up. Um, do we talk about our? We're not on the we're on the Frank Schwindel. Mm-hmm. category now that's our next the next frank swindell which is a late career mid-season breakout that won't repeat let's not spend as much time with this one because i think the other two are a little bit more interesting here so really quick around the horn cheesecake who's your pick I, i'm gonna say he's not classically in the definition but elvis andrews someone who came on late in the season mm-hmm. i'm not betting on him to continue that doc Brandon Drury, career year. That's this uh, the perfect. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> in his 30s, career 6% walk rate, 22% K rate. A bargain this year at $900,000, but played half the season in Cincinnati. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. He's not vaccinated, so if he goes to an AL team, can't play in any Toronto series. I don't Is know, that maybe, still a thing? Uh, yeah. Did you, they drop uh, that for the playoffs or no? You can't, you can't play in Toronto if you're not vaccinated. I thought that changed – in the playoffs, at least it did change for the playoffs. Yeah, because that's how you know the uh, the patriotic Yankees were allowed to play, or they were going to if they made it there. I don't yeah. think so, because I Maybe think not. it's I think it's a Canadian law. Because hmm. that was the whole contingency of Whit Merrifield going was that he had to get vaccinated. Someone in the comments it, tell us who's right here. I'm yeah, come sure. on, some, someone be up on their vaccination laws. I'm pretty um, sure Toronto, you can play there now. I think they got rid of that right before the playoffs. Yeah, and real quick for mine, uh, Joey Manessis. Yeah, I think he's he's yeah. also um, um, clear, batted three twenty four with thirteen home runs, thirty four RBIs. That is his rookie season at age thirty. I mean, you know, that's the Jared Walsh Award. No thanks. Yeah, I I think all those were great picks. Then let's we got two more left. Try to keep the show to about an hour so you guys don't get tired of hearing us talk too much here. This one is interesting. The next Kyle Wright. So who basically is going to earn a full time rotation spot and excel? This could be someone that's like a post-hype sleeper. Kyle Wright was not drafted in very many leagues. Even the deepest of leagues, he was kind of left out there and picked up as a free agent right after his first start. So you're going to have to go a little bit more off the grid with this pick. Like I thought about putting Hunter Brown here, but I think he's going to get drafted decently high, so I don't think he counts. So I went deeper for mine, as well as these gentlemen did as well here. So let's start off with Marty Party. Who is going to be the next Kyle Wright? That would have to be, and this is nothing, and Art didn't help me at all with this one, but Mackenzie Gore <laughs> on the uh, the Washington Nationals. I mean, two, three years ago, we thought he was going to be the next coming of Christ. Since then, everyone soured on him. Now he's on a bad team. He's going to have all the ability to play, you know, four, every four or five days. If he can stay healthy, fingers crossed, toes crossed on that one. But, uh, yeah, he has a really good opportunity to be that guy. And uh, down the farm has been the Hayden Wisniewski truther here. I, I'm making sure that if he hits the way that he's calling it, that he gets the credit he deserves because that's his guy. I'll pay Make you sure five he, bucks if you can spell his last name correctly. W I S N E. You're already wrong. Am I? <laughs> You're already wrong. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, LC, do you want to go, go ahead and give your pick? Uh, yes. Next, Kyle Wright. Um, what about Sixto Sanchez? Mm. He's he going to he, be healthy. 
he he was supposed to pitch this year, kept getting delayed, kept getting delayed. Uh, so he hasn't pitched since 2020. Um, and uh, two years off, who knows how he's going to be, but he's going to be out there and he's going to be fighting for a rotation spot. So Sixto is someone who, who could be a decent target uh, and could be by March a much higher draft pick than he is now. So are you planning on taking him in a lot of deeper leagues to uh, have him as a, a guy later on in the season? Because I think his injury history has just scared me off completely from wanting to draft him. Yeah, I, I think I think that he is uh, he is a decent, you know, 49th round pick in a 50 round draft and hold if he would, if he's still available at that point, I don't, I don't know when he's going to start going off the board. I, I wouldn't take him over someone who I'm sh- sure is going to pitch next year, but I've, I've always liked Sanchez. I think he's a very good pitcher. And I think that if he pitches, he's going to be, he should be pretty good. Okay. All right, doc, your pick for me, it's Dre Jamison. Uh, shout out to uh, Christian Crespo for interviewing him. Um, but his time in the with the Diamondbacks, four starts, went three and zero with a one four eight ERA and twenty four point one innings pitched. Obviously, the expected stats didn't um, match that. His his expected ERA was I think four point six. But I like that he throws four pitches, a ninety five mile per hour fastball, eighty five mile per hour slider, and this is why I really like him. His batting average against that was one oh five. So if you can throw a really good secondary pitch, and we've seen people like Patrick Corbin that have been able to make a career off having a decent fastball and having a really good slider. Shout out Patrick Corbin. I was thinking um, you go a full podcast without saying Patrick Corbin. <laughs> well, no, here's the thing. I gave him a Does rare he live rent free in your head, Doc. <laughs> yes. Oh no, no, it's not rent free. He's paying me. Um, <laughs> Touche. But. Uh, and then he throws 86 mile per hour change up 77 uh, per mile per hour curve. Um, I, I think with Arizona, we've seen some of the pitching that's done really well. We talked about Zach Allen this year. I don't think that Madison Bumgarner and Merrill Kelly are guaranteed spots the entire season. So I could see Dre Jamison being the fourth or fifth starter and outperforming his ADP. You got to think he gets a shot out of spring training with the way he pitched at the end of last season, for sure. Mm-hmm. And they do need the pitching. I'm going to start saying DTF for down the farm because it's a lot of words. But he's, uh, <laughs> I he's think going that to... might be That I might be that. something you want to move away from. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe something other than DTF. I don't know. It, it sounds <laughs> DTF after the Matt Manning call. I love and, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, DTF says Matt Manning uh, because he's basically going to be free. <laughs> That's chill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll put the the O in there. D O T F says uh, for Matt Man. I think yeah, because the after the injury last year to close out the year, I think that's that's a good call. The one I'm going to go with is Ken Waldachuk of the Oakland Athletics, traded away from the New York Yankees. One of the best strikeout pitchers in the minor leagues, and mixed results in his first big taste of action. A 4.93 ERA. 33 strikeouts in 34.2 innings. Um, but expected ERA is supposed to be a little bit lower, 4.59 expected ERA. Hard hit percentage was a little bit above major league average, but the walk rate, 6.8%. And again, the strikeout stuff was really awesome in the minor leagues here. And this is the guy that throws 
bunch of different fastballs. He has a uh, he used to throw a kind of a nice two seam fastball in college, but I think he has a little bit more sweep and movement on uh, uh, on his slider that he's throwing as well now. The velocity isn't anything like special, but I think he's crafty. He's got an upper seventies curveball that uh, I think is also pretty effective. And at the end of the day, he's pitching for Oakland, which they don't have the guys to uh, potentially like, hey, you're failing. We've got 20 other guys lined up. So I think he's going to get a chance to get a lot of run. He's got high strikeout stuff, as we saw in the minor leagues. And I think I, he is. I mean, he's was I think going into last year was like a top 50 prospect for most players, most people. So he's got the prospect pedigree. Uh, I think it's he's a, a nice call to be. Somebody that you might not see drafted, but then could be picked up if his first start for Oakland, he goes seven innings, 10 strikeouts, something like that. And then he's on the scene. His delivery is pretty deceptive too. That's what I was kind of, I didn't word that very well. He's deceptive with his delivery, even though he doesn't have overpowering stuff. That's, that's kind of what I more was trying to go. I mean, main, main piece in the Montez trade. They're going to want to see what he has. Yeah. That's what I'm, yeah. He'll have a chance to, to get some statistics for you. So then let's move to our last category of the night. That's the next Clay Holmes. At least let's talk about the first half Clay Holmes because the second half Clay Holmes was complete trash. So who's the next first half Clay Holmes in terms of a closer out of nowhere that you could basically get at the end of your drafts that could give you a whole bunch of saves and help you win that category for your league? And we'll kick this one off with Doc. Doc, who is next year's Clay Holmes? I mean, once again, I think I'm going to win this category. Nope. But I think it's Cianno Perez. It's who? Cianno Perez from those. Okay, go ahead. Give us that. That's a good pick. So somewhat of a journeyman on his third team, played with Houston, Cincinnati, and Baltimore. Counting stats for the 2022 season, 7-1, and one, a 1-4 ERA, a 1.16 whip, and almost 58 innings. 24 holds. So he was the seventh inning guy when Jorge Lopez was there. And when they traded him to the Twins, he moved into the setup man. Felix Batista um, was then the closer. Who's to say that Batista doesn't, you know, that this was his first year. Who's to say that the success repeats the second season? Um, 57 or 97 mile per hour fastball, a slider that he throws at 83, which had a 182 batting average against a sinker that's 96 miles per hour that has great movement to it. Gave up two home runs, and I think now with the Orioles, with the the fences being moved back, it is more of a pitcher-friendly park. And the O's play a lot of close games. They're not going to blow teams out. They don't have the the best starting pitching that will go six, seven innings. They have great middle relief. And I think if Batista is uh, struggling at first and the expectations are high for the Orioles based on this season, that we could see Perez be the closer sooner rather than later. I mean, he was really good, Bautista, last year. And I feel like the O's don't – I know they kind of mix closed when they have a lot of guys, but I feel like when they do have a guy they like, they don't try to get away from him too much. Like we saw it with uh, Bautista this year. We saw it with um, uh, Lopez – or um, why am I blanking on his name? The one that went to the Twins. Jorge Lopez. Where's yeah, Jorge Lopez? Lopez. Like we saw that with him. He was their guy. Yeah, but it was Cole Solcer the year before, and then they traded him to the Marlins. I mean, they could. I mean, I, I like where your head's at, Doc. Not as good as the one I'm picking, but I, I like oh, where your head's true. at. And uh, Ray has a question here before we, we go to other guys. From a list of 11 young pitchers and thinking of a keeper's league, who would be the five picks? He has Hunter Green. Yep. Brian Bayo. Hmm. Ken Waldachuk. 
speak of the devil. Dustin May. I, I don't think Dustin May would be one of them for me. Agreed. George Kirby. Yes. Yes. Nick Lodolo. Yep. Yeah. Cade Cavalli. No. Matt Brash. No. Clark Schmidt. Mm. Maybe. Definitely Jesus Lazardo. Definitely Lazardo, yeah. yeah. So we're going Lazardo for sure. Mm-hmm. We're going, going Lodolo for, for sure. Lodolo for sure. Green. Hunter Green for sure. Hunter Green for sure. Kirby for Kirby sure, for right? Sure. And Waldachuk Mike, is fine. What about Mike Soroka? Yeah. Oh, no. I like Waldachuk over Soroka. I'm, I'm, I'm all agreement on that list. All right. Sounds like we're pretty on, list, much on board yeah. there. So yeah. that, that was pretty good. Pretty quick. Um, okay. Back to the Clay Holmes. So Doc gave his pick. So Marty, let's go to you next. Who's your guy? In a precursor of this, there is so much volatility with closers right now. And almost every closer is on a one or two year deal. And they're almost, most of them are going to be expired. But the one I'm looking at, and I don't know what the Dodgers are going to do. They have almost all of their relief pitchers are going to be free agents. But let's say they re sign Evan Phillips or somebody else signs Evan Phillips. He was absolutely incredible last year. He had a 1.14 ERA over 63 innings. His K percentage uh, or his uh, percentile was in the 94th percentile, a 33% K percentage, uh, XBA of 175, an X lug of 2.66. He only had, uh, he only walked 6.4% of batters with an expected ERA of 2.18. So I think Evan Phillips. Okay. See, you don't even know who it is. That's that's how deep this is, baby. That's it. It's good. But um, but no, like if you're especially if you're drafting early right now, um, and like uh, you know the the draft and hold leagues or whatever it is, he's someone you can get super super late. That might, if like I said, if he stays on the Dodgers and he's going to be their main closer or at least get a half of their saves, that's going to be incredible. Or if he gets signed by another person or by another team, he might just fly right up to the closer role because he was absolutely lights out last year. All right, we're going deep for these first two. I like oh, it. Oh, it's so deep. It's and deep uh, burn. and uh, Jack says Evan Phillips. Yep, yep. He's on board with that. So I'm a good pick, Marty. Elsie, are you going deep? I have uh, I have one upcoming free agent who I think might land as a closer, and that's Rafael Montero, who had a fantastic season for Houston. He's an upcoming free agent. I think he could potentially close for a team next season. Uh, a person who I, who is staying on his team, who I think might take over the closer spot, uh, Mr. Joan Duran for Minnesota, um, is a, is definitely potential uh, closer. I don't know if Lopez is signed for next year for them, Jorge Lopez, um, but Duran was the better was was almost as good of a pitcher and. Current, certainly could make Lopez expendable. So Duran is someone um, who I think and uh, uh, it, it could take over that spot. And Montero could sign as a closer, I think. I like those picks. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt that uh, the best pitcher in the Twins bullpen last year was Duran. Like he was by far, I think they just, they kind of used him in the, fireman role a lot and that'd be the only reason i'm a little concerned about them being the full-time closer for that reason but he's really good so i I like that and the montero call my pick brian abreu which team does he play for the houston astros and yes ryan presley is there but ryan presley is a he's got some injury problems he seems like every single year he misses time with injury b you never know when an elite closer loses it and 
it could be next year for Ryan Presley. You know, the Astros are going to win a lot of games. So there's a lot of chances for save opportunities. This is like, I think we're going to start getting to the point where there's closer handcuffs. And I feel like Brian Abreu is one of the ones that no one talks about. If you don't know what his numbers were last year, first, if you go to the stack cast page, you need to wear sunglasses because there's so much red there. It's blinding. Uh, 194 ERA last year, a 118 whip, 88 strikeouts in 60.1 innings. If you look at K per nine leaders among relievers last year, he only trails Edwin Diaz, Josh Hader, James Karinchak, Jose Alvarado, Devin Williams, Andres Munoz, and Liam Hendricks. So he's eighth among relievers last year, a 313 K per nine. The walks are the only thing that's a little concerning with him. He does have a 10.5% walk percentage, but that actually is less than... Devin Williams, and it is less than Alvarado, obviously Karinchak. So there are guys that have been in the closer role that do have higher walk rates than him, but this guy is just completely nasty. Uh, uh, you know, 206 batting average against, and uh, this was all with a 336 Babbitt, keep in mind, too. So it's not like he was lucky with how that ERA was. I, I think he's kind of the top closer in waiting uh, if he gets the opportunity. So I think I might try to snag him in a lot of leagues next year and kind of hope that, hey, you know, he got two saves this year. Maybe he has an opportunity for more if something happens to Presley. Absolutely. And Presley missed a lot of time this year. Uh, he was down for short stints a couple of times. I, I had him on on a few teams, and it was frustrating because Montero was getting saves. Hector Neris was getting saves. Mm-hmm. It was very frustrating. Yeah, it, it, say Presley got knee uh, issues, and that low-key that that low key will take away uh, velocity from a pitcher. Yeah, racist. Thanks for answering every question. I appreciate it. And if I get invited to one of your leagues, I start jumping from now until March. You're Thank invited, you, Ray. You're, you're really invited, man. You're invited. Yeah. Yep. We uh we have the triple players ball that we do. We had our first year this year, and we do anybody that wants to join in. It's a league. We had I think 45 entrants this year mm-hmm. in that league. Mm-hmm. So. Hope to, to try take to make my it spot because uh, Michigan won't let me log in. <laughs> no man, no man, come visit me in Maryland. Just draft from my house, man. That's right, that's right. <laughs> and uh, DOTF says Brandon Hughes, who I got some closing experience this year. Art's trying to have people come to his house. <laughs> uh, that's a great pick there. And um, Jack adds that. Uh, nice recommendation. I've not heard of a Bray. We'll keep an eye on him. Also had a 17.6 swinging K rate too. Hmm. So Nasty. yeah, yeah, he's, he's one of those guys you could get as a handcuff later on. Don't have to pay for Presley and just kind of waiting out and see there. Uh, that's going to wrap us up here. We covered eight big topics tonight. I think we named a lot of potential big stars and this is going to be one of the episodes. I think when we start the season next year that we can always go back to because we're making these calls in October. So if, if these guys if these guys start getting helium in February and March, I feel like we were on these a lot of them pretty early. So I think that just goes to show we did a lot of good research and um, that we're making sure we're staying sharp before uh, maybe the fantasy baseball world is completely caught up to everything too. So uh, props to all you guys for all the research you did tonight, and props to you guys in the comments for adding some great names and great questions, and that stuff makes the show so much more fun. So. Really appreciate you guys tuning in, of course. Uh, Doc, Cheesecake, Marty Party, anything you want to say before we get ready to close up shop for tonight? Go Padres. I need to win. (laughs) I look forward to seeing you guys soon at First Pitch Arizona. Yes. 
If two I, weeks if from I don't tonight. come back, it's because Marty for murdered tomorrow. me for all the times that I made fun of his. <laughs> that, that's right. <laughs> And a reminder, if you guys enjoy this show, we are live here every Wednesday night in the off season around like nine to nine 30 in that range. So if you set a notification on YouTube, when you're subscribed to the channel, it'll let you know when we're going live. And of course you can subscribe to the podcast feed if you just want to listen to the next day. So this type of stuff is what always gets us going throughout the week. So thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, but for Marty, for doc, for a little cheesecake, I'm D Mendy. We're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. Talk to you guys next week.